0: Uh, welcome to the Curator's Salon podcast with me, your host, Geeta Joshi. And today I'm talking to London-based printmaker Paul Catherall. Welcome, Paul.
1: Thank you very much, Geeta.
0: So I thought we could start talking about... Um, well, why don't we start with your training? Where did you train in uh, printmaking?
1: Well, um funny, I didn't really have a specific training in printmaking but i studied illustration uh, and general graphic design at leicester polytechnic which is now de Montfort university um, and so i touched on lino cutting i think just lino cutting when i was um at leicester uh, but i studied yeah i studied illustration which for me was a lot of drawing and a lot of painting. So what happened is that I I'd, I'd kind of developed a bit of a, I suppose ironically, a figurative, quite painterly style, considering what I'm, I do now, and I suppose what I'm known a little bit for, is that I, I initially started off loving life drawing and sketching people. That was my main love, And I even fancied myself as a courtroom illustrator, you know, for the news when they used to go into court. And, and being a bit of a reportage illustrator, um, I remember one particular thing i seen in a Sunday supplement feature, uh, an illustrator who'd gone to the Falklands. So this was early 80s. Not that I fancied going to war, but I actually thought I could go along and draw people and that's been, you know, just drawing people, getting paid for it. That sounds great. So I I, I suppose I was almost hoping for a kind of, yeah, figurative, um, sketchy style. And that, that developed when I was at Leicester. And during my time at Leicester, I I loved sketching people and I loved life painting. Turning them into illustrations was quite hard work. Enjoyable work, but quite hard work. Uh, but I thought, well, if I'm going to make a living, I suppose I need, I need to try and really force this. So I, after graduating, I developed a... Kind of combination of my sketchy stuff and my life paintings, and tried to turn that into figurative painterly illustration, which was, I suppose, reminiscent of kind of nineteen forties and fifties style painting, if that makes sense. You know, so it was representational, but it was painterly, but you could tell what it was, with a bit of Cezanne thrown in as well. So I love. Of oh, <laughs> So. I, uh, I I went down to London where the streets were paved with gold, sent down to London with my portfolio, which at the time was a physical portfolio, not digital. No emails or websites really then. And uh, we were given a photocopied list of people to go and see to get freelance illustration work. And I literally, like Dick Whittington, traipsed around the tube and uh, made appointments with my portfolio. And I spent about... I suppose seven or eight years um, being a jobbing illustrator or a not-jobbing <laughs> illustrator. Uh, I always say, or people who say to me at the time, it's a bit similar to being an actor or an actress. You you're, you know, there's a lot of people going go for the same work and when you've got work, it's great, and, and when you haven't, it's awful. So it felt a bit like that, you know, just trying to get your work out there. I managed to get commissions of the good people at places like nursing times and she magazine and things like that. Um, gave me work and I've got a few book covers and I got some work for design companies. Got, got, had an agent quite early as well, which again is much like an actor's agent. You know, it sounds great, but my my agent got on fine. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've got by, but that's pretty much what it was. Um, so then I came, after about seven or eight years, coupled with a little bit of part time teaching, which is what most people do as well to supplement their income, I, a couple of things happened. One was that I, I got a job from a design company to do some illustration work for the Glen Eagles Hotel, the big posh hotel up in Scotland where they play golf and all that kind of thing. Uh, and that kind of just happened by chance because I rented some space off them and they didn't really want to spend loads of money commissioning really high fluting illustrator who was suited to that job they thought well you could probably do it so will you do it and we'll give you this amount of money and they basically said we want it to look like the old railway posters you know we reckon you can do it yeah i can do that got a book of rail posters and while i was doing that so i was so i was kind of painting images in the design of an old poster which which were all lithographically printed, so they started off as paintings. These the old posters, but they but, the, but they look like physical. They look like prints by the time they turned into a poster. And so basically, it was generally working a lot flatter and a lot more and a lot more graphic, um, and concentrating on composition and also playing around with colours. And um, with this railway posters book, the more I looked into it, the more I was using it for reference for this job. I kind of fell in love with them and I thought, you know, I suppose almost from trying to emulate them, I realised how bloody good they were. And I thought, you know, these, and I, and I fell in love with them. I obviously knew about them from my time at Leicester and from being an art, you know, an interior art and design anyway, everyone knows about them. But I really thought, wow, they are, I realised now how good they are. So that was one thing that happened. So I was kind of painting to look like prints.
0: And when they um, um, actually print for their wall, did you say? Or was it some branding for the Glen
1: So It was for the design company. The design company were rebranding their brochures and doing postcards and leaflets. So it was very nicely done. And they re- in the, re- the brochure for the hotel, they reproduced at stamp size. So even though I painted them quite large, they had to be, they had to work really small. But they also printed them as posters and printed them as postcards. So, you know, it had to work across the board. So, again, they had to be spot on. Uh, you know, I, I, I think they worked, and it was, it, again, it was hard work, but I think they worked. Um, and, and then another thing happened around that time, or just shortly after, um, I went to San Francisco. And while I was there, there was all these posters by an American illustrator called Michael Schwab, who, who created screen prints. He'd been... Uh, commissioned by the Golden Gates National Parks to, to do landmarks like Alcatraz and Fort Point and the Golden Gate National Bridge. And, and my, my memory is a bit hazy because this is late 90s. So it's, still, it's a while ago. But I do remember see, I remember visiting Alcatraz and seeing the posters there. And I remember seeing a few of But also I, was shown, I remember being shown by a graphic designer back in London when they were trying to get me to do a certain style. And they said, have you seen these guys' prints of San Francisco? And I don't know which game first, the trip or, you know. But anyway, I remember seeing these things and actually thinking, what, you know, they're lovely things, beautiful, simplistic screen prints, um, about three colours. But what I liked about them is they were very American and they were almost like an American version. of. of, It was like a classic travel poster, but American style. So what I'd been trying to do for Gun Eagles, he'd done, in a retro style, but, but they gone kind of got up to date. I suppose their time had come back round and all the graphic designers loved them. All these graphic designers that I've seen in London, they if you have you seen this guy? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, I remember being in San Francisco and actually thinking, you know, you lucky git getting that job. Well, I, I would love, you know, I would dearly love that job in London or, or in, you know, it, it, back in Britain. Um, and I literally remember thinking, well, no one's going to give me that job. So I'm going to go home and just do start doing it. Yeah, this coupled in with, um, tied in with the kind of build up to the Millennium celebration. Uh, and, you know, London being, albeit I think things are a lot more cynical then, but people can kind of get excited or not excited, as the case maybe be about the Dome and the Millennium Bridge. And all, so all these things were happening. And so I thought, right, well, you know, I've got a theme and, and I kind of want to do what he's done, but do it in my style and do it in a, in a, in a British style. Um, and that tied in with the fact of me thinking, well, I'm painting to look like prints. Why don't I just do a bloody print and not stop painting, doing an imitation of print, do a print. Coupled with the fact also that I'd seen the fact that Hids, they were selling posters all over the place. And I thought, well, if I do prints, I can create an image and I can hopefully sell posters and I've still got the image myself as well because I used to sell illustrations occasionally. Once you've sold it, it's gone. You know, that's it. You've got obviously got a copy of it, but you, your original's gone. And a few other things happened. I remember actually getting one of those IMAX, you know, the coloured IMAX. That were yes. like the helmet. And I got one of those and I thought i better try and learn how to be Maybe be a graphic designer for all the illustration work dries up. And I and I and, and I nearly smashed it to pieces with the hammer. As I've told you before, I'm a bit of a Luddite and I tried to learn on it. And i never used a word processor or anything like that, and I just couldn't do it. And I'm and I, and I was so close to smashing it to pieces. And I thought, well, look, you don't don't do that. Go back, let's go back in time. You enjoyed doing Lino cuts at Leicester. Lino cut you can do on a small scale initially. I can do it at home. Um, so I kind of thought, right, you know, uh, even though the posters that I greatly admired were either lithographs, well, generally they were all, all the old lithos, and I thought, well, I can't go and just start creating lithos. That's involves getting a massive press or going to a printer's linocut. I can do it. I can do an imitation almost of a, for the litho, and I could do it at home and just beaver away and have an exhibition. So that's cut a very long story short, that all those things happened at the same time. And so I kind of set off on my journey of doing, I think the dome was probably the first one I did while it was being built. So this was late 98. And I did the British library that hadn't long been opened. It had only been open for one or two years. It's still in the news because Prince Charles had been talking about it. And, and then I shortly after did the Millennium Bridge when after that was built. I, I did Bankside when it was being turned into the Tate Modern. So I'd kind of had a theme, you know, um, that's where it all started. So this is late, late 90s, turn the millennium. And I got a little set of prints done. Got a little set of these lino cuts that I'd done. I, I got myself an old bookbinding press, one of those cast iron things. And I, I was just beaving away in my, my room. And I, I became addicted, basically. I just got addicted to, to lino. And what I liked about it was um, I was taking them around to my graphic designer friends who commissioned me previously for illustration work. And, and I was getting a really good reaction from them. And I even said, I remember saying to some of them, if, if you give me a job, you know, another job, I'm going to just do it as a lino. Even if you want it as a painting, I'm going to do it as a lino. <laughs> this was a youthful cockiness, I thing, And they're like, oh, okay. You know, and, and they were, and I took them around and they, 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 they were sniffing them, you know, and they were look, feeling them and, and sniffing them. And I suppose the thing is that all these graphic designers around that time, but all had a similar education to me. So all their design work at college had been with a scalpel and cow gum and things like that. And now they were sat in front of an Apple Mac all day. So it just been that quick transition to these, to these design companies that used to have cow gum and scalpels. And all of a sudden, three years later, it's all, it's all just water wall Mac. And they were sat in front of an iMac all day. And they, they were kind of longing for that hand-done artisan Approach a bit, you know, or, or at least I could see an appreciation for it, you know, you know, and I yeah. could see. And also, this was around the time that, you know, people were going on about organic food and farmers markets starting and all this kind of thing of small scale artisan things. And I thought, well, you know, the, this, 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 these crafts are going to get reappreciated. Maybe rather than having to get a proper job, I can do these. And so, and so I just, you know, um, yeah, zoom in, fast forward. I, I, that's it, and I never stopped. You know.
0: So you've always um, worked with lino cutting since then. You, you haven't sort of experimented with screen printing or anything like that, which you could also get like the flat planes and things.
1: Um, yeah, unfortunately, I uh, I became so addicted that I think I think I I, I, I I realized that I love the process. There's there's two there's two answers to this. One is. Um, because I was selling, because, because they, it went okay. And on my first exhibition, I sold a few. And then I had a little gallery in Clapham called Clapham Art Gallery, not exists anymore. And I, I kind of basically forced them to have an exhibition. And they sold, you know, and they were selling. And, and fortunate things happened, like the architects of the Eye, who had their offices opposite. And they'd seen a the print I'd done of the Eye, and they bought them. And, they, you know, and, and I just thought, right. This is working if it ain't broke, don't fix it and because these things take take a long time you know it takes a long, long time, not just the physical printing but the pairing it down to its essentials and drawing them you know there's almost more work just drawing so i I almost didn't have time to experiment with anything else, which sounds bizarre, but because I was trying to make a living out of it, mm-hmm. i I never afforded myself kind of that other creative time, whereas if i'd been doing it as a, a side project or a hobby i would have explored other avenues um but i kind of thought right these are working and just stick just with do, it yeah stick with it
0: sorry something that i thought of when you were saying about when you were in america i uh, want to say in america or somewhere that um a friend of mine who's an illustrator uh he says people just when uh, when people want to work with him, they just say, "Oh, we've got this amount of money." Then they just go like really upfront with, "Like this is the budget, and can you work to it?" Rather than, "What are your fees?"
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, I to tell you the truth, that that's always been the case. I, 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 and I always lo- almost like that approach um, because y- you know, you, I've never quoted by. I don't think I oh, very rarely in all the years of, I've ever really quoted ever by the hour ever maybe once or twice by the day but usually it's a case of this is a budget take it or leave it and and when you're doing a print you know the time is so it takes a long time so very rarely do i do commissions that 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 pay well because it takes me so long to do them. but i have done commissions that pay well in the long run because of either the exposure or you can do a print and you can reach an agreement to addition that print. And then, you know, they just use the image and then I can sell prints. So things like book covers, for example, which I haven't done loads of, but I've done nice ones over the years. The pays atrocious really for how long it takes me, because, you know, the actual amount of time it takes me, but you can make it work by doing an addition. And then, then I've got them for years to come and I can sell the prints. So, you know, if, if the image is right, then, then it can work. So that's like a form of licensing then, really, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. It's, I mean, it, 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 it tends to be quite, you know, informal almost. So, so for book jackets, the, the, the publishers are generally they're interested in a book cap, jacket. And, you know, if I do a print, I'll usually say, you know, either I'll give you a print if it pays all right or, you know, or, or if it's, you know, if they're really scraping it down to bare bones, I'll say, look, I'll do a print. And you can, you know, you can buy a print for a third of the price of what I'd sell them for. And so they get a nice print out of it and they get the use of the thing and they're just paying for the usage. And if I just say, look, if I do editions of this, can I just sell them myself at private exhibitions? They're, they're fine with that because I usually have a book cover as well next to it and it sells a book a bit. Well, <laughs> it probably doesn't sell the book a bit, but yeah, it's, it, 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 if it's all up front, um, then th- there doesn't seem to be an issue.
0: And um, what about the galleries then? So you started selling your prints. Did you say you were selling them yourself directly, originally, and then?
1: Yeah, the I, I still do that, and, and that's something that I've done ever since the, since the start. Um, so originally there was a little gallery called Clapham Art Gallery on Venn Street, and, but I was still I, I I was still doing my own little exhibitions. Um, I've hired out the OXO gallery on the South Bank four times now, um, and that's like a massive undertaking because you, you know, you hire the whole space and you do everything and- um, And do you
0: and do the OXO, when you have the OXO space, do you do that yourself or do you ever do group shows or like joint shows yeah.
1: with people? I've, I've, I do it myself, I'm quite, a one man band in, in many senses, um, partly because I just well, also as soon as I saw the Oxo Gallery and I started doing the prints, I knew I wanted to have a show there, even though it's pretty big. And another thing kind of spurred me on is that they, even though you rent it, you have to propose your idea. And I proposed really early on, and they came back and said to me, Look, you're not going to fill the space, your prints are too small, which is fair, fair enough. It was actually correct you know so it made me even more determined to 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 get one so the first show i did was in 2005 i think the first time i proposed was 2002 but i did the first one in 2005 and i i, I suppose i'm on I'm my own little cottage industry and i quite like that and so if i you know if i do something i do all of it myself everything
0: do you like doing that though? Is that because you just want to have control across all the different places?
1: A little bit. I mean, I do, you know, obviously there's galleries that sell myself and I've done shows with galleries and that's great. And I understand that, you know, when the money's divided, they've earned their money, you know. But I, there's, there is definitely some, a bit of me that is probably, um, in work, related to work, I don't want any other outside influences in any way whatsoever. So if I do it all myself, then there's only me who can get it wrong. I can be quite garious and friendly, but when it's related to my prints, I'm probably quite a grump. Because I, uh, and so just to, if I do everything myself, then I'm the only person to blame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, mostly, are you printing uh,
1: artichoke mostly these days? Yes. Um, so that's another example of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I started... Uh, I think as soon as I found out, when I, when I, I was doing the early prints on a little bookbinding press, so I could only go up to about between A4, A3 size. And then I, you know, I soon realized I wanted to go bigger. Um, and I think through Kappa Mark Gallery, they told me about Artichoke. At the time, I was staying with a mate in Tower Bridge, so it wasn't miles away. Um, and then, and I just, yeah, ever since 2001, I started going there. and. You know, I've kind of become part of the furniture. But what I like about it there is that it's 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 rough and ready. It it is a proper old fashioned print place, and you if you want to go down and get your head down and work like mad, you you can. If you want to go there and have a little bit of a social aspect, you can. And people understand the parameters generally. You know, so if you have got head down and you're working, that's it. If you Offer people a cup of tea, you want to chat. <laughs> and I, and I, like, I, I, I like that aspect of it, you know. And, and um, I must go back to what we previously touched on. What's more funny about it is when I first started, uh, I thought, well, it's great because they do etching and they do litho. And they've got the an albion press at the time. And, you know, and, and there's, there's even stone litho. And so it will break me out of my lino cutting. You know, I'll, I'll in in quiet periods, I'll learn how to do all these other processes. But that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and yeah. that was in 2001. I thought that, and it hasn't happened in 2018. <laughs> I, did, I did once touch on litho on offset litho, and I had a little course there for two days. And um, and that was with Megan Megan Fishbowl. Now, sadly, sadly, now gone back over over the seas. Um, greatly missed, and she you know taught me how to do the that life though. And, and I suppose that's another thing that came into it because I because I love what I do, but I i, I make uh, try and make a living out of it. I have to make harsh decisions, and I realize that yeah, I love this, but for me to get good enough to do life those to sell, I'm gonna have to devote about six months just learning to get to a standard, you know, good enough. And so that almost cut it out for me because I was thinking, well, to carry on doing this, I need to be making linos and selling them. So it's almost... I've, I've been on a not I was going to say treadmill. That makes it sound like horrible. But I've been on a nice treadmill because I've been frantically... Because I like lino and I like the process. But I've been frantically trying to do enough that I can keep on selling them and do ones that will sell almost to fund well, ones that might not sell as well. So, and I'm, I'm only just really getting to the time where I can possibly have a little bit of breathing space and do things I think, well, they might not be popular, but I'm going to do it. You know?
0: So you're doing um, only buildings, like, because I know your work very much as um, London referenced um, and very much buildings, you know, things like the um, Battersea Power Station and the Oxo Tower and those sort of things.
1: Yeah. Um, do you do any other... I've, I've, I've occasionally done figures in some, some kind of illustration work, in publishing work, very quite rare, uh, and I suppose what happens is if I get a commission now, people are asking me to do architectural stuff because that's what they've seen, which is nice, so I get asked to do what I've been. You know, I have branched out into other cities, but another thing is, you know, I've done a few of Paris and New York, Brighton, those kind of things, another thing about uh, referencing what I said earlier is that I once certain buildings do, will, will have a, a, a an audience. So that's power station and the, the South bank center and the Barbican. They have, they do have an audience. So, um, and to, to carry on being able to afford to do it, I have to carry on doing them even though it's a label of love because I love those places. So, but I, uh, so, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't say I've been stuck. Because I could all to tell you the truth, I could carry on just doing, I could do the National Theatre for the rest of my life. I could carry on doing that every day because I love it that much. And each time you do a print, you the thing about Lino is each time you've done a print, you almost want to just do it again with just a bit of a change or do it again in a different colour way. And, and, you know, and I could forever do that.
0: But I Certainly on something like the National um, Theatre, you know, there's so many aspects to it as well, aren't there? You know, as you just move around the building, so many different planes and things. That's it's amazing. But that's what you've become, become known for, really, the, that sort of poster style with the flat colours and a lot of brutalist buildings around London, but, you know, the other things like Battersea Power Station anyway. So it makes sense that you'd be, you know, drawing in clients looking for architectural prints, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's what's, what's you know, my... my my true love, which I've, which fortunately, because of commissions from the South Bank Centre, I've been able to explore, would my would, brutalist and modernist stuff. And the classic kind of, I suppose, Batsy Paltation is, is deco. I don't know if it'd be referred to as art deco. I think it would be. Um, you know, and, and some of the monuments, the, the kind of really powerful art deco monuments. So now I'm fortunate enough to get commissioned to do stuff that I would do myself gladly you know doesn't happen that often by the way but you know the commissions but it, it's it, yeah you know that, that's my love i mean and if if someone were to like sponsor me for example to say you know have a year off doing that don't worry about mortgage and the kids stuff. just here's you don't have to earn you don't have to earn your prints for a year go and do this for a year i would possibly go and do something like you know the lost brutalist monuments around britain you know, there's low. There's low I mean, I, I was brought up in Coventry, mm-hmm. which, which I think subconsciously embedded a, a love of concrete, even though that wasn't apparent when I was there. But I think it is, as I've analysed what I've liked doing and things that I was drawn to in London, I was always drawn to the South Bank Centre, to the Barbican. And it did, you know, when I first moved down to London, they were pretty quiet places. You know? they, they, weren't, they weren't dressed up like they are now, and they weren't appreciated as they are now. And there's yeah, you know, they're still underappreciated, but there's they're almost 50-50 now, whereas then it used to be kind of 80-20, you know. They had a few lovers. But and it was and it used to be pretty quiet down on the South Bank. And I think that reminded me of Coventry City Centre. Because it was a bit neglected, a lot of concrete on a rainy day, you know, it felt like home. So that, and that's something I've only, become, I've only come to realise as I've, I've, I've really thought about doing the work. Um, so my, my next project, which I'm desperate to do, is to do a set of Coventry and go back to where it, it, you know, it started. Um, spurred on a little bit by the fact that they got awarded the 2021 European City of Culture
0: oh my gosh company, yeah. so, what, what,
1: yeah. so what Hull had and what Liverpool had that's going to be Coventry in 2021 I think but I've been gathering on about doing it for years but I've never been able to afford the luxury of time because I remember thinking about 10 years ago I'm going to do a set of Coventry and I thought if I really go and do a set that's like about if I want to do a set of four prints that's, what, that's like six, eight months and who's going to buy them you know <laughs> 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 I don't mean that, but, you know, as in, to, I, I've had to really consciously think about that because I thought, yeah, there might, but it's, it's a big risk, and I don't, and I couldn't afford the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, did you
0: work when you're, um, I mean, obviously, I understand that um, the printing process and the carving can take time, but you're working from photographs, or are you there sort of drawing, and then yeah. sort of turning them onto the liner?
1: They are, they're generally, uh, I take a lot of photos, if I had the luxury of time, I I will go down to on site and sketch. That's something that happens a lot less now because I'm always like oh, I've got to But also because um, I I rely on strong light, and so I'll, I'll check the forecasts, and I'll usually go early in the morning, or I'll go towards dusk, and so when the light's really strong but quite low and dramatic, and so usually I'll I, you know I'll, I'll wait for a good strong day good, good forecast and now with your iPhones and everything like you can take photos you know just like like crazy and so I'll, I'll, I'll wait for that I'll take tons of photos and then what I'll generally do is I'll print some out and then I'll almost have to try and draw as if I'm not drawing from photos which is a really hard you know I remember it's funny because you know when when people when you were at school you, you know and you're in kind of twelve or thirteen you thought a photo realist thing was like you know the bee's knees anyone who could copy a photo and then you know, then you get sniffy about working for photographs at, at college so I don't think I ever looked at a photograph for reference at college as all well. like oh, God, everything's got to be you know from life or your imagination and then I've suddenly realised actually well I've slowly realised that working photos is actually really quite t- even though they're great for reference but mm. you need to make it look like you haven't used a photo and so i kind of almost flatten the, the 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 what you get from a photo is like a convex or concave don't know what a word is but you get a distortion and yeah. i try to distort them so i spend ages flattening all the planes but a photo because you know a lot of people say do you just trace from a photo and it's like god no because you if i did that they would look awful you know but you it, they just look like a trace you you would tell immediately so
0: um yeah i haven't really well i haven't drawn from photographs but i think yeah that I can see that what you mean now sort of thinking about it would just yeah it takes so much time to sort of prepare that image and then you still got to you know do the rest of the work like transferring it and everything
1: yeah I mean, composition to me, the composition and design is everything, and so all the hard work is is at those initial stages. That's that's the that's the real work. The printing and the carve, I mean, the carving's pleasure. The carving's well. That's another thing I like about linocut, which I've realised it suits me, is because it. it I, I like all the little different aspects, and you have that kind of time at the start where it's a bit of a headache, but it's quite exciting because you're creating an image but it's like pulling teeth because you really, you know, you've got to nail it down and draw and draw and draw. And then when you've got it sorted and you're, or and, well, you think you've got it sorted, when you're carving, that's almost like a bit of time off before you start printing. And so that's like going to work without really working. You, know, you, can, uh, you can listen to music or have radio for and happily carve for an entire day. So you've done a lot of work, but you've not stressed yourself. <laughs> and I, I like that bit of it. And then... And then when you go back to printing, it's a little bit of both. So it's like the manual, physical aspect of printing and mixing colours and being precise and being a technician. Coupled with you, get, you have to get creative again because things always happen when you're printing. But you have to make decisions and things don't look like they did on the sketch or you realise it's not going you know, to... So I, I like all those different aspects of it. Um, and I think that's why it suits me. I finally realised it suits me a lot more than what I thought had suited me when I was at college, which was going out and sketching people or doing a painting. Because I, I still like actually, I still like sketching people. But um, you need to loosen up so much. Whereas maybe the methodical, precise aspect of lino and the plodding nature of it maybe is a reflection of me <laughs> that I'm quite plodding and you know dull. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's are all, working, so it's all good. Yeah, I like I like the fact that with um, when I when I used to paint for an illustration, I always just find that really tense because you could spend two days in a painting and then mess it up in two minutes and never get it back, and and I always found that quite stressful. Whereas printing is a lot more. People say, God, it's you know that's really unforgiving. And once it's done, it's done. And that's, you know, but the way you have to do it, 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 you don't make those terrible mistakes. And even if you print a colour wrongly and it doesn't work, you've got other prints to fall back on and you can go and cut another plate. And you think you have to think about it. Whereas a painting, as soon as it's lost, it's lost, I think. Which I think is why I like sketching, because a sketch is a sketch and that's it what
0: about your um color palettes then i mean well what point have you decided what the sort of color range is going to be on a print
1: i i I usually have them they're kind of figured in my head a little bit from the start and i remember getting asked about this previously and 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 i and i said oh i think every building has a has a color and to me they kind of do so so like the tape is always pink not the tape itself but i think of a bright pink for the Tate Modern.
0: Is that like an aura like people like those yeah, people see around other people?
1: It might be just something as simple as you know the colour of the brick I, I see. I remember thinking about when I first did a print of the Tate Modern, the colour of the brick I just saw pink behind it and I remember thinking about these Italian sweets that a friend of mine who used to share a studio used to bring, she used to, she, was Italian, she used to bring these Italian sweets in, and they always had pink and brown in the packaging, that kind of 1950s style thing that never went away in Italy. And I always thought, that pink and brown is lovely. It's a real... So I suppose I always have little partners that, that I think work, so I have to see pink and brown together. And so the National Theatre, I see it more as magenta or grey, so I have grey with magenta. And, you know, and the barber can always see it's grey and red or grey or gray and grey. Uh, uh, but it's never, the red's never a red, it's like a terracotta red, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it is a little bit like an aura, but it's not, but it's, it's um, more literal than that, you know, in terms of it's just the, the building, it's, they generally have two colours they go with. So that, that's there in my head, and then working out the secondary colours is kind of the, the, that's the hard work. So I always have the colour in my head for the two main colours and then putting the little secondary colours that work. And, I, and they, you know, they just kind of, I suppose, I suppose maybe all that time doing paintings as an illustrator helped me learn about what goes with what and how to mix. So that, because the process is exactly the same mixing inks is the same as mixing paints. So I've got, I, I've got all this little kind of Pantone reference in my head of what goes with what. And I try and change it, you know, I tried to kind of freshen it up, but I know I've got these little colour palettes that, that will work. Because
0: um, when you were saying earlier about um, seeing the work in, a, in, in San Francisco, yeah. and you said that that felt sort of a very much a contemporary uh, version of, you know, your own references to the railway posters from the 30s and 40s. That's what I was thinking was you know was was it the color palette actually that had just been updated so much?
1: it was um on those it was it was everything about them it was their mm-hmm. simplicity, their design I suppose it is one of those things that i I knew how hard it was to do what he'd done, but to lots of other people and you know one and this isn't meant in a derogatory way uh, why should people you know they, they just I remember people almost being, apart from graphic designers, people almost being surprised by why I like these so much. Because, and it was because they were so simple, but so simplicity looks easy. And if you've ever tried to do something simple, you, it is not easy. It's the hardest thing to do. And so, so I suppose it was my, my appreciation of, you know, God, he's made that work, and it's so simple, and that is, that's tough
0: but the simplicity is actually in the reductivist sort of nature of it actually isn't it like how much is actually left out i think yeah. times in those things rather than
1: yeah than the details yeah, less, less is more less is i remember actually here and even though his prints are very different from mine uh, uh norman Aykroyd on radio four and and he said you know what's important is is the I can't remember his exact term, but he said, "What you know, it's almost what you leave—the color of the paper—is more important than anything else." He so said, "It's the paper," and it, and I always think like that. I always think whenever I do an image, I thought, "What can I leave the paper as the paper coming through?" And if I've got the right balance of just paper, it, white, you know, or, or just off-white, then then making that work um, is the important thing, and, you know as I've kind of done more and more prints I've, and they've gone towards a, a, a little version of semi abstraction, never abstract, but they've, they you know, messed around with shapes and planes and things like that rather than doing true representational stuff. And that's come about from the process that has come about from printing things and actually thinking when they were two thirds done sometimes looking better than they did when they were finished. Oh. So years ago, I'd do these prints and and I, and they'd be finished and they'd almost be a disappointment. Even though they were finished, I remember thinking I liked them when they were just three or four colours just before I did the last colour. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying all the time to to get that feeling, that freshness and that simplicity.
0: Have you got any shows coming up or what are you working on for the time ahead?
1: It was a busy year this year because I... Well, actually, late, so late 2017, I had a show with Eames Fine Art, and that was a Brutalism and Modernism show, and that was November 2017. And then this May, I, I did the OXO show myself, and that was, that was 20 years of lino cuts. How so, did that go? So I first started in 98, and this was, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah, it was, it was always gone, gone, you know, it's always gone. It's, 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 it's bloody hard work, but it, it went well. I, I didn't say it's gone, it, I wouldn't say great, but it, it, it no, it went really well. It was really busy, sold. It's always a massive undertaking and cost so much money and all that. But it, it, you know, it went well, so I, I, I definitely can't complain. Do you do uh, any um, artist fairs? I've done the. I, I did the Eastbourne Print and Illustration Fair actually this year, and I think that was a little bit of a reaction of of having shows and kind of working like a maniac for quite a few years, and then after the Oxo Show, I thought oh, I'm going to say yes to a couple of things that i would have said no to before and just try them. and i did that and that, that was a nice experience and you know i'll prob- probably do that again because it's i suppose it's almost like i've i've coming up for a little bit of air and i thought well it's about time i should go out and meet a few people and talk and that kind of thing you know and see another side of them beavering away for hours on end just either printing or drawing so, so this year's been busy Next year is a relatively clear year uh, because I just want to start my Coventry project. That's 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 what I'm really kind of keen to do, and kind of keep up the other stuff that enables me to do my Coventry project. Mm -hmm. And then and then I've got a show booked in with Eames Fine Art again in 2020. That's pencilled in for 2020. As and when I don't know yet. That's that's the thing to work towards. Yeah.
0: But I think the Coventry project sounds really good. I think tying it in with them being European City of Culture just
1: sounds about the right time, doesn't it? I think. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'll I'll hope they'll forgive me for kind of jumping on their bandwagon of that. But you know, I'd planned it for 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 years and years and years. Really, probably you know, more or less ten years ago. I remember thinking I'm going to do that. But the time feels right for it, and also is something that I'm really keen on doing. So the kind of the hungers there for me to work like I'm mad on it um, uh, and I suppose you know and it's pers- it's personal as well and it's a it's a bit nostalgic and it's a bit personal it's a bit looking to the future so it just feels right to do it so I so I'm kind of excited about it uh, I've just got to do it that's the hard bit
0: <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find you online
1: so online, uh, it's just www.paulcathrell.com. So nice and simple. There's not many people with my name. On Instagram, I am Paul Catherall Prince. Okay, I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. and On Twitter, on Paul underscore I've got A website that's only been up for a year, which is a kind of relatively, which was a massive undertaking as well. I'd spent about a year and a half kind of i I literally hand drew the design for the for the website just because i'm such a luddite um and and yeah and and i got that sorted so yeah
0: thanks paul so much for coming on the podcast i look forward to seeing you soon
1: it's been a pleasure thank you for asking miggy thank you